Welcome to the hills. Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. Now, if you're watching online across the country or the world, almost every week you hear me give a greeting to all those in person at our South Lake or West Fort Worth campuses. Well, this weekend I'm live at the West Fort Worth campus and thrilled to say that because it's been over a year due to the pandemic that I have been able to visit our other campuses. South Lake, I look forward to being with you soon as well. So if you're in person at South Lake or North Richland Hills campus, I'm thrilled you are with us as well. We've been in this series, Second Guessing Jesus. The idea that sometimes, even though we know Jesus is real, we're not sure he's right. And what we want to do today is talk about the way Jesus would second guess tradition. So, a young boy is at his very first wedding. And he is enamored when the bride walks in and everyone stands. And immediately, he knows it's the bride. Because she's dressed in white and somehow he just knows that's how the bride is supposed to look. And he even asked his mother, why do brides always wear white? And his mother replied, because white's the color of happiness and this is the happiest day of her life. He looks down the aisle to the front. Why does the groom always wear black? So, well, I've done many weddings as a minister and officiant. But I have a special experience in the last couple of years being on the other side of the wedding. Two and a half years ago, my daughter got married to a wonderful man from our church. And so we had the uh, thrill and privilege of planning a wedding as the parents of the bride. In two months, my son is about to get married to a wonderful girl we adore. And so we're involved in planning a wedding as the parents of the groom. And here's what I learned. Weddings come with a lot of of traditions. And a lot of them are very, very expensive. And all future fathers of the bride, I'm just going to give you what I learned. Don't ask why. I kept asking, well, why do we have to do that? It's so expensive. And I just learned, don't ask why, just write the check. Just go along with the tradition. And by the way, Jesus often did. Did you know that about Jesus? He went along with many traditions of his faith. Uh, synagogue worship, some of the feasts he attended, these were not prescribed in the law of Moses. So Jesus went along with many traditions, but he would second guess others because Jesus knew the difference between a biblical position and a traditional practice. So before we go any further, I need to talk a little bit about the word tradition because sometimes the word traditional is misapplied to practices of the church that have been long-standing, ordinances and beliefs that have been practiced since the launching of the church. So, for example, if you were to go to our church website, like almost any church's website, you would find a statement of our beliefs, our core convictions as a church. On that website, you would see that we affirm that Jesus is the unique, the one and only Son of God. Fully man, fully God. We affirm that the Bible is God's inspired word. That the Holy Spirit has given us an accurate revelation of God to us. We affirm that salvation is a gift of grace and it cannot be earned. We affirm that 
marriage is a union of a man and a woman. And that Genesis 1 teaches gender is not a social construct. It is a biological reality designed by God. When it comes to heaven and hell, we affirm eternity. And that every person will spend eternity with or without God. Now, these are not just old views. These are historic from the start of the church convictions. And they are the overwhelming global belief of Jesus' church. So if someone was to come to me and say, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not so sure that Jesus was really God and that he was sinless, and I certainly don't believe he rose from the dead. I'm just not a traditional Christian. No, you're not a Christian at all. I'm not saying that to be ugly. I'm, I'm saying what Paul said and what Peter said and what John said and what Jesus said, that Christianity is not a philosophy. Christianity is a movement that is absolutely founded on the credibility of the founder, that he is who he claimed to be. And so simply saying, well, I'm not traditional. Be careful how you use the word because sometimes it could lead to great error. When Jesus spoke of traditions, he was referring to beliefs and practices that were outside of the scriptures, not inside the scriptures. And that doesn't make them wrong. Traditions can be a beautiful thing. They give us a sense of heritage, a sense of rootedness. We all have traditions. We have personal traditions. Like, have you ever noticed at the end of almost every sermon I say a prayer? There's no verse that says I have to do that. That's a personal tradition. Families have traditions. I bet you have traditions at the holidays that you keep every year and you have for years. Churches have traditions. Denominations have traditions. Traditions can be a beautiful thing, but traditions are like the Sabbath. Remember, we saw the Sabbath is made for man. So are traditions. And when you start thinking that man is made for tradition, then you have a tradition that needs to be second-guessed. So we're about to read a radical text uh, where Jesus gets second-guessed and he fires right back and second-guesses his second-guessers. Now we're starting to Mark 7, verse 1. The Pharisees and some teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled. Now that is unwashed. Now, your Bible may have a parenthesis. Mark is writing to a group of Roman people that don't know Jewish customs. So he's going to explain what he just said. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as washing of cups, pictures, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Now, what's going on here? We all can remember our mothers telling us when we were little, you wash your hands before you come to supper. Is that what's going on? No. The issue here is not hygiene. It is holiness. Their tradition of washing was intended to communicate that they were distinctly the people of God. Now, where did this come from? Okay, this is interesting. You could get out to your Bible and look at the first five books of the Old Testament. We call them the books of the law. 
And if you were going to write down every verse where God talks about washing, you would not need a tablet. You could only need a post-it note. Because here's what the law said. That when priests enter the tabernacle or the temple, when they enter the presence of God, they are to wash their hands and their feet. And this was to communicate a spiritual truth that purity is necessary when you are in the presence of God. Now, folks, that's all it said. Priests were to wash hands and feet when they entered the temple. Well, now, the rabbis took that and they put it on steroids. And they got to thinking, well, if the priest, why not everyone? And if the temple, why not everywhere? And if hands and feet, why not everything? So they just started making up all kinds of ways to wash things. Uh, their interpretations were collected in a book the Jews called the Mishnah. You want to hear how many rules they had? 186 pages, a book on uh, washing, all from one command for priests to wash their hands and feet when they entered the temple. 186 pages devoted to washings, and all of it was outside of the scriptures. But they used it to decide who was on the inside. Because they had this huge assumption, and it was simply this, tradition equals devotion. That your commitment to tradition is your evidence of how committed you are to God. For example, there was a well-known story in the days of Jesus of a rabbi that the Romans put in jail. Now, every day the Romans would bring him a little bit of bread and a little bit of water. And he would take the water, instead of drinking it, he would wash his hands and then eat his bread, and he almost died of dehydration. And you might be thinking, well, that's crazy, but they said, that's committed. That's true devotion. Now, the thing is, this thinking has always been around and is around today, that I might be tempted to judge the purity of your faith by your loyalty to one of my traditions. See, we can all get attached in unhealthy ways to practices that had a very important part of our lives. Maybe it's the way we uh, did Sunday school as a child, or, or maybe it's something that happened when we were on a retreat, or, or maybe it's the way our church worshiped when we were growing up, or maybe somebody when we came to Christ showed us some disciplines or, or showed us how to start our morning in a quiet time with God. And these things helped us. And the next thing you know, these things are good for everybody. And I'm going to judge everybody's loyalty to God by their devotion to the things I practice. And what Jesus is going to do is second guess our attachment with two very important questions. Number one, did God prescribe those practices? I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying, did God command them? And number two, and even more important, can you observe those practices 
and still have an unwashed heart. You see, when they second guessed Jesus, why do your disciples wash with defiled hands? Underneath their question was a bigger question. How is someone clean before God? And Jesus is going to redefine holiness for his second guessers. And what we're going to read today, I want you to pay close attention because it's things like Jesus is about to say that got him killed. Because he took one of their most precious rights and said, you got it all wrong. Let's look in verse 6. Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it's written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. So the first thing we see, right is wrong when it displaces Scripture. Jesus said, these teachings are merely human rules. You've let go of the commands of God. The rabbis took a subject on which the Bible was silent. They created a list of assumptions and inferences, and then they bound their interpretations on people with the same authority as Scripture. Let me say that again. They took a subject on which the Bible was silent, they put on that silence their interpretations and their assumptions and their inferences and then said, what we have inferred is now equal to the Word of God. Aren't you glad that never happens anymore? Here's what Jesus said about them in Matthew 23. They make strict rules and try to force people to obey them, but they're unwilling to help those who struggle under the weight of their rules. You see, one of the signs of bad religion is that it specializes and teaching people how to wash their hands. In other words, it focuses on giving external things the attention, even though these things have nothing to do with being right with God. You know, one thing that would help all of us is to see what we teach in any church through the eyes of someone far from God. Have you ever brought a guest to a church and you realize your church is talking so much about things that are so irrelevant to people who need to become clean in the eyes of God. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln visiting an infirmary of Union soldiers. And he hears one soldier chuckling in bed and he looks over. A woman had come by from a local church and passed out tracks and had given him a track, the sin of dancing. He pulled back his sheets and showed the president he had lost both of his legs in the war. You see, one of the biggest and one of the hardest things about being a church leader is trying to help people recognize the difference between what they prefer and what God actually requires. Because the things that we tend to prefer and we've done a long time, we start to think must be the things God says in the word we have to do. Let me give you an illustration. Early in my ministry at this church, an elder approached me. Now, he was one of my all-time favorite, not just elders, all-time favorite people. But I could tell he was concerned. He said, Rick, we have a problem. 
For the second week in a row now, you have ended the service with a song and not with a closing prayer. I said, oh no, I ended with a prayer. That song we sang was a prayer. Yeah, but it wasn't a closing prayer like people are used to. And I'm getting some complaints. So could we just start ending all of our services with a closing prayer? Question, how does the Bible say we're supposed to end a service? Where's the verse? With a prayer, with a song, with a benediction, with a word of encouragement or scripture spoken over the people, with a group hug, with a meal? There is no verse. So when he said, why don't we just close every week with the prayer so people won't be upset? I said, we could do that or we could do something else. We could use this as an opportunity to teach our people the difference between what they prefer and what the Bible actually says. And because he was such a good and wise man, he nodded his head and that's what we did. And I think through the years that God has blessed our church in many ways as we have tried to discern between what we like and what God actually asks of us. Again, tradition isn't bad. It's made for man. It can bless man. It can help man obey the scriptures. But bad tradition can actually do the opposite. Let me show you what I mean. Let's keep reading verse 9. And Jesus continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is Corban, or that is devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. And thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. And so, when is right wrong? When it displaces scripture and when it distorts mission. Now the word Corban in Hebrew just means gift or offering. And here's what they were doing. They had this practice that you could take something you owned, a piece of land, some livestock, or your own bank account, and declare it Corban, and that meant it's devoted to God. I can only give it to God, not for any other reason can I use this. So even though it's devoted to God, I can use it while I still have it. But if mom and dad need some help, I can say, sorry, mom and dad, even though I've got some money here, you can't have it. I can't give it to you. I can only give it to God. No wonder. Jesus called these people hypocrites. And throughout the history of the church, we've had so many times when the church deserved to be called hypocritical. When we invent ways of being devoted to God that don't require us to be devoted to people. When God's word is to teach us to love God and love people. We let tradition trump the mission. Now, I heard a story recently I just loved. Her name is Sarah Pascucci, and she lives in Long Island. And on February 3rd, last month, she got an anonymous letter. By the way, don't you respect people who complain anonymously? Anyway, the letter said, take your Christmas lights down. It's Valentine's Day for goodness sake. Well, under normal circumstances, she would have done so. 
You see, it was the tradition in their home that the day after Thanksgiving, her father always put the lights up. But on January 15th, her father died of COVID. And within a week, her aunt died as well. And between funeral arrangements and unexpected bills and just the whole process of grieving, she never got around to taking down the Christmas lights. So she got on a Facebook page with some mothers who were friends of hers just to say, that really hurt. You know, I just wish people sometimes before they criticize would think maybe something is going on in somebody's life you don't know about. Well, the thing just went viral. I mean, people sent her cards and flowers and brought meals. But the thing I love the most, do you know what everyone on Sarah Street did? They went down to their basement or up to their attic and they got out their Christmas decorations and the whole street put Christmas lights up. Now, I know the tradition is put them up before Christmas, take them down after Christmas. But people are more important than traditions. I think God cares about helping hands more than about washing hands. And that's why, for example, we had online services last year for so long. It wasn't what we wanted to do. It wasn't obviously our tradition, but it was the best way to love each other and love our neighbor. That's why when we came back to in-person worship, we instituted protocols like please wear a mask and please keep your distance. That's not how we want to do church. That's not how we hope to do church in the near future. But right now, that is the way to love neighbor. And that's why we're asking you to register for our Easter services. We're adding services. We're doing everything we can to create space so anyone will feel comfortable and safe. And I know that's outside of our norm. That's not what we traditionally do. But once again, what's the mission? The mission is to make and grow followers of Jesus. And we will do anything short of sin to reach people who are far from God. Because the mission must trump the tradition. Because after all, traditions can save no one because they cannot wash the real problem. So let's keep reading. And again, Jesus called the crowd to him. And he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. And then down at verse 20, Jesus went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. So when is right, wrong, maybe most of all, when it dispenses righteousness, when a ritual claims it can make you clean before God. I've always enjoyed the story of the little boy at Sunday school dressed up in his nice church clothes. He went out with a friend and they got to play in and they got into the mud and got real dirty. And when they came back to their Sunday school class, the teacher disapproved and said, boys, look how filthy your clothes are now. 
What does the Bible say? Cleanliness is next to, and the little boy thought and said, it's next to impossible. <laughs> uh, how true that is. Remember, what's the real issue? How is a person clean in God's eyes? And the problem with tradition is that it can confuse ritual with gospel. Tradition can bless you, but it cannot save you because tradition can only polish the outside. Do you realize this is maybe one of the most radical ideas Jesus ever taught? It's still hard for us to accept it. It's still hard for us not to believe that all of my religious activity is not somehow making me more clean to God. But cleanliness is not next to impossible. Cleanliness is impossible apart from the regenerating work of the Spirit of Christ. There are few texts in all the Bible that point more to the necessity of the need for a new birth than the radical thing we just heard Jesus say. Jesus did not come to take old traditions and replace them with new traditions. He came to replace old hearts with new hearts because the heart is the heart of the problem. Listen to Paul in Romans 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in His grace freely makes us right in His sight. And He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. It's so easy for tradition to subtly cause us to drift from the gospel. Donald Miller tells an amazing story of going to a Christian college and speaking to a group of students. And he said, now I'm going to preach the gospel to you. And I'm only going to leave out one thing. And I want you to see if you know what it is. And so he talked about the world and how full of sin it is. And he talked about all the consequences of living your life in disobedience. And then he talked about the beauty of morality. How when we obey God, when we repent, and when we live life the way God says, everything gets better. And everyone nodded and loved it. And then he asked, now what did I leave out? And no one raised their hand. And he replied, Jesus, I never once mentioned Jesus. And what happens? We get seduced into thinking, well, it's my good deeds. It's my correct orthodoxy. It's my spirituality that somehow makes me clean before God. No, it's Jesus. We need to be washed by the blood of Jesus. We need to be transformed from the inside out by the Spirit of Christ. Tradition can bless, but only the gospel can cleanse. Charles Cosen, who founded Prison Fellowship, tells a great story. He was in Brazil, 
And he was visiting one of their most notorious prisons that had had a profound transformation. They had decided to try to run the prison by Christian principles. And many of the inmates had come to Christ instead of graffiti on the walls over scriptures. And he said, I've never in my life been in a prison where everyone seemed to be doing so well. And one of the inmates was giving me a tour and he came to one wing and he said, now this used to be where men were tortured and kept in solitary confinement. There's only one person here now. Would you like to meet him? And, and Colson said, yes, I would. And the prisoner said, are you sure? And Colson thought, hey, I've been to prisons all over the world. Nothing can shock me. They took him to a cell and slowly opened the door. And inside there was a statue of Jesus hanging on a cross. And the inmate said, he's doing time for the rest of us. What brings change? What makes clean? Jesus. Not ritual. Gospel. Now, isn't that what we want? They said tradition equals devotion, and Jesus comes back and says, no, transformation is greater than tradition. That's what we want. Real life change. And I want to challenge you to remember that. Now, I'm just going to get real vulnerable for a second. I know I'm talking to some people right now. And there's a part of you that grieves as you see many of the church traditions you have treasured all your life go away. I know I'm talking to some people right now and you are grieving that your own children don't cherish some of the traditions that have meant so much to you. Your grief is fair, but let me ask you to also be fair and second guess what can only polish the outside. I'm often asked when people move away about a good church in the town where they're moving. And I never ask myself, what are the traditions of that church? When I tell people what to look for in a church, I always say, find a church where Jesus is lifted up. His deity and his identity are affirmed and exalted. Find a church that honors the word of God and preaches the Bible instead of trying to explain away the Bible. Find a church where lives are really getting cleaned up. And if your children have found a church like that, be so glad. Because the heart of the matter is still the matter of the heart. And I want to ask, is Jesus washing yours? Pray with me, please. Oh God, this is a radical word, more radical perhaps than we realize. Satan would do anything to seduce us to drift from Jesus, even use good things. So we pray against his work in our hearts, God. We pray that we will always lean into the person and the sacrifice and the sufficiency of Jesus. And that we will keep in step with his Holy Spirit. Because only God can make us clean in the eyes of God. So help us, God, 
to stay true to the gospel. May it be more important than anything else. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.